0: Now entering nerdist.com.
1: Hey pals, it's me, Ben Blacker, your pal. Happy birthday, America, and Merry Christmas to everyone. You may have heard the announcement at the end of last week's Year Interview Part One, that starting next year we will be known as the Writers Panel. Uh, but the reason I'm talking to you today is to urge you to check out ATX Festival and their pitch competition. I know many of you are writers. And uh, the winners from the past few years have all been Nerdist Writers Panel listeners. So that could be you. You're listening to it right now, which means you could be a winner of the pitch competition. Um, First of all, go to ATXfestival.com. It's the best television, possibly the only television festival around. Uh, It's in June in Austin, and it's just the most fun. Um, And while you're there, click on Programming. And then click on the pitch competition if you have an idea for a TV show. Um, It's super easy to do. You just make a 90-second pitch video. 90 seconds. That's awesome. Most pitches are like at least a half hour. Uh, So you make that video and you upload it. Just follow the directions. You're not stupid. You downloaded this podcast so you know how to do it. Uh, but I would urge you all to check it out. Um, I will definitely be there. And um, the, the folks who have won in the past have all found success in this business. You know, the, just winning the competition, sometimes just being in the competition has given them a leg up. Um, submissions end January 15th. So get your submission in by January 15th. All the rules are at atxfestival.com slash programming pitch. Uh, While you're there, poke around and see who's going to be at this year's festival. They've got amazing panelists lined up. Everyone from uh, Betsy Beers, who uh, works with Shonda Rhimes, Hart Hanson. There's going to be an Everybody Loves Raymond situation. Uh, So many awesome people. They say Norman Lear will be there. I believe them. Uh, so check it out, atxfestival.com uh, Enter the Pitch Pop uh, competition Check out the panelists And come to Austin in June
2: I will It's the Nerdist Writers Panel And it's hosted by Ben Blacker Where he gets a bunch of writers And he asks them lots of questions And it's starting now So this will be the end of the theme
1: Now, uh, welcome to Year in Review, part two uh, This is me, Ben, as usual And I'm here with overqualified guests. I'm lucky to have them. Let's start to my right. Please introduce yourself so that people know what you sound like and tell us some things that we may know you from.
3: Oh this is Nell Scovell um, and I am currently working on the Muppets TV show on ABC Tuesday nights at 8. <laughs> um, and I like to plug the shows that I'm working on. Absolutely. I've also created Sabrina the Teenage Witch which in next year will uh, it will be 20 years since that premiered what does That's it cr- seem like 20 years to you yes <laughs> <laughs> Is it 40 years to you? <laughs> that that one year did seem uh, like 20 years oh my gosh but um i just have one question before we start yes we've what, already started what what, what <laughs> you're being what, tipped um, what year is this? <laughs> uh, Sabrina just came out. Okay. It's uh, the magic of...
1: Josie and the spin spinoff. It's looking good.
3: All right, so 2015. We're, we're focusing on that. <laughs> yes, yeah. we are. All right. Unless you want to look forward. Oh, maybe we could end, them, maybe, end that way before you
1: have to run out. Yeah. I will say now. Nell will probably have to run out uh, early. So we're going to get to all of her stuff. As
3: soon as I say something really stupid, <laughs> I suddenly fault. have to run out. Bye now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, got to go. Rico. Hi, I'm Rico Galliano. You probably don't know me, although this is a podcast, so maybe you've heard the podcast. Sure. I host the public radio show, The Dinner Party Download, which began as a podcast and remains said, and uh, we get to talk to a lot of uh, the people whose Products we will be discussing today, That's right. which is fun. Mm. And uh, I guess my plug would be that we we are on stations around the country. You should look for us, and especially do wanna, download us.
1: Yeah, do you want to just give the concept of the show? Because it is one of my favorite uh, podcasts uh, uh,
0: to listen to, uh, and I've been listening for years. Since, uh, like
1: you said, since you were fifteen minutes. Thank. Now
0: it's a full hour. <laughs> it yeah. Before we started taping, I was saying that the the show started as a fifteen minute podcast, and the idea was that it would. Compressed the week's arts and culture into 15 minutes so that on your way to a dinner party, you could learn everything you needed to know about it that you weren't caught up on. Right. So that when you arrived, you could talk about something. <laughs> uh, it was aimed a lot at uh, younger parents with children. And <laughs> we have since grown to an hour long and we it's kind of themed after a dinner party so it starts with an icebreaker which is a joke usually told by a celebrity Mm -hmm. and we tell stories from history and pair it with a cocktail recipe we interview celebrities as our guests of honor you see the theme developing here we have an etiquette segment where people like ian mckellen uh answer our listeners etiquette questions that is the best part of the show in my opinion (laughs) uh particularly when he ended up Uh, imitating Gore Vidal last week (laughs) that was good and stuff like that. Where do we cool. find the podcast? You will, uh, Wherever podcasts are podcasts. <laughs> it's on I, iTunes. I, on iTunes, if you plug in. and everything. Yes, Dinner Party Download and the Apple uh, Podcast yeah. app, and please nice. listen. We'd love to have but you. You have your,
1: as I said, you have your finger on the pulse of popular culture, and that is why I wanted you here today. <laughs> that is very kind of you to say.
0: <laughs> we have it, as I said before, we have it as much on the pulse of popular culture as one can as a public radio <laughs> program.
2: <laughs> Jose, uh, my name is Jose Molina uh, You may know me from Such shows as uh, Lost, uh, The Middleman Or the one, wait no that's Javi um, <laughs> Giving somebody else's resume For um, Monster uh, uh, That's a shout out to my buddy Javier Grigio Markswatch, Who may be having a baby any minute now uh, We do the Children of Tendu podcast Which for people who listen to this show and they don't already listen to Children of Tendu. They should
1: because they will love Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, there are no guests usually. It's incredible. Jose and Javi just talking about their experiences in television. Nonsense. A lot of no, nonsense. No, it's it's informative. Uh, in a way, the show rarely is. It's uh, <laughs> it's filthy. In a way, the show rarely is. Um, but you guys, what is it combined? You have forty years of experience.
2: Getting getting more every day. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, my credits are uh, most recently Marvel's Agent Carter. Sleepy Hollow, Firefly, a bunch of other stuff. Yeah,
1: Great. Thank you guys for being here. Um, I want to start with this. This is our 2015-year interview, and we can kind of use this as a jumping-off point to talk about what TV was in 2015. Um, What did you watch this year that you really loved, Mm. that you were excited about, that uh, was something that stood out to you this year and maybe could only have been made in 2015? Uh Uh-huh.
2: Oh, no. I'm going to have to start. I'll start. Um, And I'll start by throwing a wrench in the works right away Uh, because it's not a series or a movie. It's a documentary. It's probably my favorite thing that I saw all year, which was uh, Kurt Cobain's Montage of Heck. Oh, yeah. Uh, The documentary uh, for which Courtney Love finally released Mm -hmm. a lot of... um, Uh, home videos and a lot of interviews and gave a bunch of interviews uh and it was uh it had the blessing of courtney and Frances bean cobain uh kurt's daughter Mm -hmm. who is now in her mid-20s and it was i I cried like a lot that's well during that you're a crier i'm a crier i'm a a big wuss yeah (laughs) um my my shrink tells me that that's a good thing. And I should embrace it. I think he might have stocking Kleenex. Um, but uh, it's, it's really moving. And the things that the filmmaker did with Nirvana's music was gorgeous. The arrangements. Uh, so that was, I think, my favorite thing of 2015. That's really
1: interesting. I think that that speaks to a thing that, Nell, we were speaking about before the we started rolling here, which is
3: um You mean when we were having that fascinating conversation yeah. before that the mics will were on. ever here. <laughs> yes. you know? Well
1: let's try to recreate it. Right. Um about nostalgia. Mm. Uh and that, you know, it's been thirty years since Nirvana.
2: Oh mm. fuck you man. It's yeah. not that long. <laughs> is it not? 20? Twenty? 25 twenty. Twenty five maybe
1: yeah
3: ninety.
2: He died in ninety four, so okay. that's twenty one years. All right. So. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's a long that's time. That's a long time, yeah. <laughs> but those of us, I mean, like, for I think we were in high school, or maybe a little out of high school when that was around, when Nirvana was around and hit big, and for that Some of us are older than you, Ben. Not much, <laughs> but for to come back around and for this documentary to sort of hit us yeah. right in the nostalgia spot, right. um, that's kind of what this year is, has been about, I think. I mean, look, you're on The Muppets. Oh, right. <laughs>
3: yeah, there's um, a lot of trying to recreate, um, you know, what we love from the past. And I think that's partially because the only people still watching TV are, are, <laughs> yeah. are 40 pluses. That's interesting. Wow. And, you know, they, they thought about bringing back. Um, Coach mm-hmm. which was a show I worked on in the '90s, mm-hmm. and I thought it, they had a really good idea of how to do it. Um, it, is, it was Barry Kemp, and, and mm-hmm. uh, I thought he um, he had a really good idea of how to update it and they're doing I mean, I think it started with the 90210 a couple yeah, of years we saw ago it trickling and in. and Dallas Yeah. and like The Simpsons came back, mm-hmm. right? because that was that's true. Oh, wait, no, that just stayed on the air No, no,
1: that's true, though, (laughs) because it it did kind of have (laughs) this resurgence where when it went to FX, we all remembered that we loved The Simpsons, where Mm -hmm. we had taken it for granted for a decade. You know, the first 10 years we were excited, then not so excited, and then the past couple years it's been, oh, yeah, this is a great show. Uh, And built into that is our memory of those first 10 years.
3: Oh, that, okay, that's, I think that's true. And Uncle Buck is a mid-season mm-hmm. replacement. And so we're all trying to find this place where we can both be nostalgic and update at the and, and modern at the mm-hmm. same time. And I'm not sure. Can you do that? Well, how, mm. how Fuller does the, House
1: is going to try. Yeah, I mean, that's another oh, one. Oh, Full
3: House. Yeah, yeah. Fuller House. Yeah. Right?
1: But I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, the best show this year to me was Fargo. Oh, right. oh, that's right. That does that thing, right? It that was mines,
0: 90s too, wasn't it?
1: It mines existing material, but it also does it the right way. You know, it, it elevates it. Um, that's not the case. I can't, ex- listen, I haven't seen Fuller House. <laughs> <laughs> Fuller House is sure a little I'm after sure my will. time. I'm sure you'll be <laughs> well, watching job. this shit out of that. <laughs> um, but but no, like, I- is this a conversation you have on The Muppets is what I'm curious about. About like who who this show is for? Who are we making jokes for? Who are these characters as we knew them in our youth? Because no matter how old you are working on that show, whether it was the seventy or the seventies Muppets, the eighties Muppets, the nineties Muppets, those characters yeah. have existed.
3: Well, but the, it's part of a bigger question too of. Um, I think that it's very interesting who is the audience for Mm -hmm. these shows. Mm -hmm. And it used to be each network had a distinctive audience and they would cater to that and you would craft this night that built on that Mm -hmm. similarity. And I don't know that that's true anymore.
0: Hmm. So, I mean, but I can imagine the problems that that causes where you want to bring in new viewers, I'm assuming, but you also need to appeal to the old. And are there times when you have to like decide is this joke who is this joke for, you know?
3: Yeah, I, but uh, although that's for any TV show, mm-hmm. the issue and you know it it's been around now. TV's been around long enough. It is starting to feel like you can't do anything that's completely original. Even a show I love, Last Man on Earth, mm-hmm. mm. you referred earlier, Ben, to as Gilligan's um, Island. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> as that updated this version. season
1: totally is. And, but it's because the characters are so strong and they've set up their world in that first
2: season. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the concept's not new, Right. right. Um, now, how much do you think is yeah. nostalgia, and how much do you think is mm-hmm. uh, brand awareness yeah. and the the networks going? Well, we can launch Full House again. We can reboot it because people will come to it because people know.
0: Sure, they and already know it. Well,
2: yeah, and it's the old argument that I'm sure we've all made at some point or another about the the creative bankruptcy of the industry that we work in. Oh, really sure. That there's that nobody wants a new idea. Everybody wants the the safe old idea warmed over for a new Mm -hmm. generation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I feel like, uh, especially in, you know, big tentpole movies, of course, I can't think of the last time that a a big... You know, bazillion dollar movie was based on a wholly original yeah. concept. Unless itself. you're
1: Christopher Nolan, which right. is a brand in itself. Uh, but, well, Batman,
0: yeah. I've, I had heard of before he uh, tackled <laughs> that. I'm thinking of Interstellar. <laughs> right, or,
3: or, or Pixar can get away with it right. because Pixar. They're Pixar.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. You, you're going to a Pixar movie. You know what you're getting to a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, a sure. certain degree of quality.
0: Right. I was also though, if you're also going back to nostalgia, the thing that struck me about this though, even as we're talking about it, is the idea of 90s nostalgia is for somebody who's just reaching middle age frightening to me like,
3: <laughs> they know.
0: Pete and Pete do you know you remember Pete, of and course. Pete yeah yeah, they went on like a tour yeah, I didn't even know that many people watched Pete and Pete, but it's just like anything from that era now is starting to become i I'm, I'm starting to see younger people become nostalgic for early two thousand stuff. <laughs> which is the need of nostalgia <laughs> is I just insane.
2: heard Gin Blossoms in the oldie station yeah. the other day. <laughs> it's I'm crazy. not even kidding.
0: That's weird. I went into a coffee shop and they were playing Third Eye Blind and it's like I'm drinking coffee and listening to Third Eye Blind I think I'm 22 right, right now. <laughs>
3: Well, since we're talking about music, I thought I'd jump in and say that my favorite shows...
1: Oh, I'm sorry. That topic's over. Oh, okay. No. We're done. No.
3: Um, ...are all musicals. And, you know, I think Smash died for our sins. Um, I, I watched every second of that show, and I loved it. I liked it. And it's gone now, but in its place, we have Nashville, mm-hmm. which is amazing and the most feminist show on TV and has incredible music. You've got T-Bone Burnett yeah. hand-picking mm-hmm. songs. Yeah. You've got Empire. I've mm-hmm. watched every second of Empire. I think it's so entertaining. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like that's one of those shows where Like you can't believe you're getting it all for free. Um (laughs) Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Love Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Mm. Unbelievable. Settle for me. Everyone should Google Settle for Me and watch that video. It's great. And then you have Gallivant, which Mm -hmm. is coming back. Um and it's pure delight. You have Alan Mencken. Um he's Who's gunning for his egot? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I think that might be why.
0: And Uh, the live musicals that are going on, right?
3: And the live musicals, the Whiz, yeah. Which
1: I mean, that's interesting to me. That I didn't realize we really do have so many musical TV shows on right now. uh, Because I really don't. I only watch Crazy Ex Girlfriend, but um, ever? That's all the show you watch. The only (laughs) show I watch. (laughs) Um, But those shows don't have the numbers that the Wiz has, that sound of music, that these live Well Empire is, is Empire massive. does. That's true. Yeah. Empire's sort of the only big hit in the past couple of years, right? Yeah. But like why and by is- the way
3: I'm always so happy when my taste coincides with some sort of popular taste. Because <laughs> yeah. it so rarely happens. Yes, she, as one gets older,
0: <laughs> that's a special treat. Hey
1: I don't know. We're pretty set in our ways. We, we like what we like. I still watch Lou Grant. <laughs> right. As you become him, yeah. Um, but like, what, is the Wiz audience? Why are they not going to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Why are they not going to Nashville? What's not? What's the difference? If what's I don't not know. Translated? If
3: I knew the answer to that, I'd be the head of programming for a network. I guess. I, Let me pause this. Yeah. <laughs> Beyond Musical Network.
2: Um, oh, God, you might be onto something. Yeah. Oh, actually. The MTV's <laughs> gone. They don't play, <laughs> don't they know, don't play videos anymore. That's true.
1: Um, these live musical events have two things which I think the TV shows don't necessarily, which is one, they are live. Uh, so, right, we get that live sports.
3: Analogy. Right, like, and, and you might miss something yeah, that right. happens in the you, moment. Yeah, you, you can't want to be get part of the else. conversation.
1: Yeah. Um, and two, they're known commodities. You know, it's the, what we were just talking oh, about. Oh, that's it's, true. The brand. It's the brand. Uh, is, is there hope for someone who wants to mount a new musical on TV
2: or even on Broadway? Well, Gallivant is is a new idea, right? That didn't right. exist before. It's not based on anything. Um, and by the way, speaking of Gallivant, which Alan Menken is the uh, the... the, the Head uh, yeah. writer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He's co-writing all the songs. You know. With, I believe, Chris Leonards, right? I think so. Who but... you worked with on Supernatural. Did I? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I wasn't allowed in post. He, he, was your, he was the composer <laughs> on Supernatural, and he huh. was the composer for Agent Carter. So I just wanted to throw out a big shout-out to Christopher Leonards, who should have won an Emmy this year. Those songs are
1: terrific. They Fantastic, really are. Yeah, yeah. and
3: they just released the opening number yes. or um, a teaser for this coming season. that was hilarious yeah. so I, clever.
0: Can I pause it also though I mean uh, as i 'm sitting here listening to you guys, but also thinking about how I can contribute to this um, the uh, The fact that these things are sunny they 're kind of, they 're yeah. upbeat. In, in that throwback way, that maybe things could only have been before an age of terrorism, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That it's, and especially those shows in comparison to the golden age of TV shows that we talk about, like Mad Men mm-hmm. and Breaking Bad, that are these super dark explorations of characters that you're not even sure that you like. Yeah. Seeing these shows that it's very clear who the protagonist is, they burst into song, usually there's an upbeat ending, you yeah. know. I wonder if that's part that's of what's going here. That's an interesting
1: thing. I wonder if, in the wake of these shows that you mentioned, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, uh, and, and the stuff that came around that time, we're going to see a new optimism. I I don't know. I, or is the world too dark?
0: <laughs> I feel like you have to go backwards to get that stuff mm-hmm. because I feel like the impulse now is not to go that direction. And the I mean, good evidence of that would be um, the sitcom with Alison Janney that I mom. am a uh, mom. Yeah. yeah which I don't know if you guys have ever seen an episode of this but mm-hmm. it's incredible for those who don't know it's about a family it's about a woman who's a recovered drug and alcohol addict whose daughter is also a recovered drug and alcohol addict and they now live together and the younger daughter also has a child and it's all of these it's basically about the sins of the mother getting passed down to it this is a sitcom we're talking <laughs> about wow it is really intense. It's almost like Norman Lear esque, and mm-hmm. you know, you go back to that. That comes out in an age of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there's something socially going on where it's harder to do a upbeat, non musically type of.
2: Vibe. I mean, look at uh, Last Bound on Earth. Let's go back to that. You, the what's the? I mean, it might be the number one show on TV. Maybe Empire just uh, passed it, but. Walking Dead Mm -hmm. is the dark, nihilistic, awful, (laughs) post-apocalyptic version of zombie apocalypse. No Um, one has ever cracked a joke on that show. (laughs) But then look at Last Man on Earth, which leans into what we're talking about, that new optimism. What is Last Man on Earth if not... Constant wish fulfillment. Yeah, you bowl with a truck, and you back up a fifty bowling balls. Yeah. You know, he shops in his car. A salt rimmed pool of uh, tequila. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe I don't know. I I'm not the sunniest guy on the planet, but maybe that is something that um, it's a glimmer of hope or something that people gravitate
0: to because the world is so fucking dark. Yeah. It also, it also implies that it's like yes, the apocalypse will happen.
1: Yeah, but there'll it's still okay. be people around. It'll kind of be fun. There's maybe. a fatalism
0: to it. Yeah, but well, then an optimism on the other sure. side of it, right? You'll get to live in a mansion with <laughs> all of your favorite paintings, and you'll get to have lots of sex because you got to <laughs> repopulate the world, right? <laughs> with Christian Shaw, could be worse. She's cool. Uh, but there,
1: it's an interesting thing, and I can't remember if the microphone's wrong when we were talking about this. But to bring back to the Muppets.
3: That like oh, and I thought of the X Files too. That's yes. coming back. Oh we're right, about nostalgia, and and we're I all going to watch good. it, right? Yes, that's
1: that's the thing. Like yeah. they can keep doing it, we're all going to watch it. Like the X Files, that's that's for us. That's the sweet spot. Yeah. yeah.
0: Speaking of the Simpsons, yeah. I used to watch both of them back to back every Sunday exactly. night.
1: Exactly. Yeah. She's yeah. it,
2: It's the feds.
0: <laughs> Simpsons X
2: Files crossover. folks. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> um, wow. And, uh, but we were <laughs> saying the Muppets. There's a big Have of always Wayland. been, mm. uh, had an edge. Right. Right? Um, and now in this new Muppets, is it, is it a Muppets for 2015? You know, I guess this is what I'm asking. What makes it a Muppets for 2015? Mm. Is this, again, is it a conversation you guys have to have in the room? It's not about audience, but it's about what is our point of view and how is it filtered through these characters that we already know? Because the one thing I will say that I really love about the Muppets is the voices are right. The voices are right on. Like you, The writers are nailing those voices of those characters.
3: Oh, that's nice. Well, I think you know the challenge is you think you know those characters, but you know the sketch characters. Mm-hmm. And when the idea is we're going to dive deeper into their inner lives then, you know, you really have to start making choices mm-hmm. of who these characters are because they don't just exist in that moment That that's the whole you know, the the, the conceit of the show is, you know, the office meets the Muppets right. and, and that they are um, have real full lives and you know, I, I think that's so much fun to find out, you know, that Scooter lives at home with his mother, who's dating a guy named Ken, who has weirdly long fingernails, but doesn't play, but isn't a Spanish guitar player. <laughs> and what's that all about? Um, but, you know, because so much comedy is in the detail, mm-hmm. but that's not true of sketch. Yeah. Which true. tends to be much
1: broader. That's true. Um. And it feels like that take is one that could only be done this year or, you know, in, in the past couple of years. This idea that we want we want to dig deeper, you know? It, it feels like the Walter White of yeah. The Muppets. It's we want yeah. to dig deeper on these characters. We want to be with them on their journey, which means we want to know the minutiae of their lives.
0: Actually, if I can, this is going to be a bizarre jump from The Muppets, mm-hmm. But that reminds me weirdly of the Jinx, mm-hmm. the uh, yeah, absolutely documentary about oh man, yeah, I am so awesome. I am so dropping his name the uh, the documentary Durst, uh, yes, Robert about Durst. Robert Fred Durst. Durst? <laughs> about I know Fred. He's I would watch
3: that. He's the Jinx in a different <laughs> way.
0: There's a sketch in that though, uh, but something that because uh, we we interviewed the uh, director of that mm-hmm. film and. I asked why that, it, it really caught on. That documentary was huge. The, uh, well, HBO, documentary series. And I asked him why that and also Serial, the podcast, mm-hmm. why true crime is suddenly catching on. And his answer wasn't necessarily about the prurient interest of, you know, talking about murder, but because of exactly what you're talking about, it's about digging hmm. deeper. And the idea that any, maybe any of us could have done Mm -hmm. what he did under the right circumstances. And uh, the way that he put it was, we've all thought about killing our significant others. (laughs) We've all thought about being a horrible person. And then you see people actually doing it and you want to figure out why. And how to get away with it. Well, that's so far that's we haven't you. seen that.
2: <laughs> Sorry, well, you'll edit that out, right? That, nope, <laughs> I'm going to edit it in twice
0: <laughs> in a loop, two or three times. Yes, um, but the idea that the guy really is not necessarily just evil, like right. there's something deeper going on. Yeah,
1: and what are what are the moments that led to this? What are the aspects of this character?
0: Yes, uh, that's that's interesting and sort of horrifying yeah oh yeah <laughs> and it is also i mean half of that show is really about robert durst talking and you just watching him going like is he telling the truth hmm. and people would online sort of parse out his every twitch and lines that he said and people saying he clearly didn't mean that because look at the way that he said it and really getting wow. into the minutiae of how he behaved mm-hmm. it really is about that character it was basically like a a season of just watching this character and trying to figure him out
1: i do want to talk about digging deep on character um you uh jose congratulations you made it to the second season of a show yes uh Uh, on agent carter uh, i really enjoyed the first season Uh, i thought you guys did a terrific job on that and we'll i think we'll talk about the bigger story of you know having to work on a thing which both of both of you guys have done that is part of a bigger machine Um, But I want to just talk about the writing of the show for a second, which is, Season 1 was great. It introduced the world, the characters, Mm -hmm. placed it in the Marvel Universe. Um, Did you guys find opportunity now to dig deeper on these characters?
2: And what are you allowed to do? What decisions are you allowed to make? Well, I mean, Season 1 was interesting because it was really all about digging deeper into Peggy. She's a character that is barely a cipher in the comic books mm-hmm. um you know she's got a little bio and you know that she was in the french resistance and a couple of little things but the character is widely known as quote unquote captain america's girlfriend uh if you don't describe her that way to to people people have no idea who peggy carter is mm-hmm. so our mission was re- in season one was Who is Peggy? What is the world that she occupies in 1945, 46, um, when uh, the war is over and she goes back to work in a society where men are coming back from war and taking over all these jobs? How does that affect Mm -hmm. this very modern, very capable woman? Um, So we definitely had a a feminist, not mandate, but in our heads, a, a responsibility to tell the story of a feminist uh protagonist a couple generations ago you know yeah. in, in the in the 40s she was Peggy was born i think in 1920 mm-hmm. uh 10 something like that anyway
1: um and i like i mean we definitely got to see that in the first season so i guess the question is coming into the second season how do you either deepen it or ratchet it up
2: well, I mean, without giving away too much of what we're doing in season 2. Away. Um, I don't have time to watch 12
1: episodes <laughs> of the show. S- season 2 I is I watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It's the only thing I watch. <laughs> over and over.
3: And over. <laughs> over and over. Uh
2: season 2 is is more contained within the universe of the show than um than season 1. Season 1 was really a much uh it, it was Ripples from the MCU that we've seen in movies uh, and we sort of kept going back and forth with cap and with the events of the cap the first cap movie Season two is a lot more about just Peggy Peggy and Jarvis right. in on a new mission in a New town getting their lives back together Season one ended with Peggy uh, Here's a spoiler if you haven't seen season one, uh, dumping the last of Captain America's blood, which was symbolic of her letting go of her past. Mm -hmm. So season two is all about the present and living in the present and who am I now rather than uh, who am I as defined by the baggage I brought into the show. Hmm. Um, So that's great. She is... um, She's got a new. She's got some love interests going on. She's really picking up the pieces of her life. She doesn't have uh, that darkness um, and that weight on her. Um, and there's a you know there's a lot of great stuff for Jarvis as well and Souza. Um, so it'll be it's almost a second first season mm-hmm. um if we hadn't if you hadn't seen first season you could watch this year and and go okay here's a character that i don't right. really know anything about that's great um and uh and her adventures in hollywood <laughs> um with howard stark being uh the most hysterical character uh on television <laughs> as far as i'm concerned um what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the
1: bigger picture. Um, you guys are both writing shows. You're both writing shows for Disney, first of all. <laughs> um, but well, there, there are only four
3: studios that's now, true. right? Yeah. So, yeah. One in four chance <laughs> Yeah, you
1: would be. Um, but you're, and you're writing for Disney filtered through several layers. Um, what is it like being part of these big machines? You know, how much of the conversation in the room is about what can we actually do, how, what can we execute that we want to do, and how much do we have to weigh it against what the outside forces want?
0: <laughs> Rico, we'll start with you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't write on a Disney okay. show.
2: For For yes. us, it's been really interesting, because we are one of, uh what is it, five or six Marvel shows now, yeah. but because we're set in the 40s... Well,
3: Iron Fist is coming... Right. Yeah, yeah. They're making that. Uh, Iron
2: Fist is still a ways away, but Luke Cage is next. Mm -hmm.
3: Luke Cage. All
2: right. I'm excited. Um, The uh, God, I hope that's not a spoiler. They'll kill me. Uh, No, that's not a spoiler. (laughs) That's well known. Um, Because we're set in the 40s, we don't have the baggage that like Agents of Shield has. Um, and even Jessica Jones and Daredevil, which they make reference to the events of some of the movies, but they're not beholden to them. We are kind of the way back of the the MCU, mm-hmm. so we have a lot of freedom in that we can go. Well, you know that thing that happened in Avengers one or in Cap two. Well, what if we say that began in 1946? Hmm. You know, so for us, it's we have a ton of freedom and marvel has been fantastic we get kevin feige and lewis mm-hmm. despacito signing off on on all our stuff um i i'm sure it would be way different if you had jed and mo in here talking about what they have to do on shield right um or uh steve denite or any of the guys from from yeah. daredevil they have a lot more they're under a lot more scrutiny than we are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh have you
1: have there been challenges or are you guys getting no, to tell man, the No man, it's stories? just
2: easy peasy japanese well, <laughs> easy.
1: I mean it's still TV. Yeah. So there are challenges. But are you still are you getting to tell the stories that you guys all want to tell?
2: Honestly, we have not run into uh, knock wood here. Uh, any any significant interference. That's great. We've we've been and I was afraid when I took yeah. the job, because it's Disney, because it's Marvel, because the MCU is one of the biggest, most profitable things uh franchises uh on the planet right now that we would have so many cooks in the kitchen that we wouldn't be able to take a shit without somebody (laughs) looking at it um and they've really let us uh do our thing.
0: I am curious, though, do you, do you know, are they, have they said, or has anybody said to you specifically that Disney sort of treats, because I, I used to write for a Disney cartoon show and the amount of scrutiny on that in terms yeah. of, it was, a, it was a like superhero kid show called Timo Supremo and they fought bad guys in every episode and you were, at, there was definitely a list of violent things they were not allowed to do even though they had ah. to have a fight in every episode so you had to figure out a way to capture a villain by having them fall into pillows like <laughs> literally and obviously they that's a kids show and they're <laughs> disney but do they understand i guess or have they said that it's like we get it this is this is not for five year olds so you have a different set of standards we're not going to have you uphold the disney brand of family entertainment in a, in a different way
2: well i mean the disney and the marvel brand uh have enough in common in that it's it's all the good guys you know um we we're abc we're not uh netflix so you you won't see Peggy or any of our heroes doing the things that Matt Murdock mm-hmm. Murdoch does and Je- or Jessica <clears throat> Jones um, but that's really more a function of being a part of the macro MCU family um, and in terms of creative control from the studio I think there's been a course correction on their side and now you can maybe speak to this on the comedy side The last time I was on ABC uh, was on Castle, uh, and uh, there were a lot of other shows that were on at that same time and that came after um, where we all felt like the chokehold of the network and the studio made it impossible for us to do anything. Mm -hmm. We got noted like motherfuckers all the time we could not that's one where we couldn't take a shit without it being looked at um, and uh, I'm really embracing the uh, R rating of this
0: um, but the, yeah um, man and, and I think, I'm going to bleep that <laughs> oh. please do and
2: I, and I think there's been uh, an awareness on their part that if they do that the writers won't be happy, the show won't be as good and so they let us wow. breathe uh, and we've talked about that in the room about how it is a palpable change from the you know the the late 2000s, the aughts, uh, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the early tens. Maybe they get it. What yeah. do you think? Now, have you seen that on your end?
3: Yeah, I think there's, um, and I'd like to see more of it. The sense of mission, where everyone's partners and we're all working together to make the best show possible. <laughs> And there, there are a lot of moving parts in between. Like, like with Marvel Universe, you have the Muppet Studio, yeah. and they have a long history, and and Disney has its own history, and then, you know, you bring this group of writers in um, punks. They want to mess who, with their who shit. They want to ruin with it. <laughs> it, it, ruin it all. But the, um, I think the more everyone can treat each other. As partners and with respect and and you know there's art by committee is bad, but I think we've also seen. You know, throwing all your money at one person's vision doesn't yeah. always work out either. Sure. Um, yes.
0: Michael Cimino. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh,
0: that's still a lesson for yep. us. That, I just dated myself a little bit.
2: <laughs> or, you know, that guy that rhymes with uh, chocolato. No? anybody? No. You know? True Detective Season 2 sucked. Oh.
0: Okay. oh yes. Oh,
2: you really want to talk about yes. that. I really do.
1: <laughs> Bomb just got thrown. This is your This is your outlet, Jose. Go
2: for it. No, I'll,
1: I'll, I'll do it on Tendu. <laughs> um, I, I want to go back uh, to what you were saying, though, Nell. Um, so... You mentioned earlier that uh, you went to your first Emmys uh, twenty five 25 years,
3: ago. years ago. That's awesome. Yeah,
1: um,
3: ninety one has in
1: in your experience. And you've worked on a bunch of different shows and a bunch of different kinds of shows. Um, in your experience, have you been in that room or run that show where everyone is partners—the studio, the network, the other writers—everybody's working together on that mission? Have you had that ideal situation?
3: Very rarely. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, you know, Murphy Brown was actually really? one of those situations. Oh, yeah. And um, I came to that show in the, I think it was the fifth season. Um, so that helps, too. I think mm-hmm. new shows are so hard because yeah. you don't know what they are. Um, and you really have to discover the show and be quite nimble and make course corrections yeah. on the fly. Uh, so it it's pretty rare that um and i uh but but i think there is um a like the vision of last man on earth is so clear i mean mm-hmm. will forte's voice is so strong um that, that gives, you know, I love those kind of shows, and they, mm-hmm. they are my favorite. Those shows where you don't feel the studio notes bearing down yeah. on the story.
1: What's um, interesting to me about Last Man on Earth is Forte's voice is so strong, but I feel like Miller and Lord's voice is as strong. Hmm. You know, like yeah. that, that sh- they, those guys are the best at taking the thing you think is not going to work and making it sing. Right. Um, but but one of the On paper, th- Last Man on Earth doesn't work, but this combination of people makes it work. Uh,
3: well, it's very brave, and he'll just set up an entire story um, to set up a scene at the end where he's getting yes. zapped every <laughs> second as he tries to put out the fire. Yeah. And I'm not sure. Oh ju- we. we uh, that's a slow build and mm-hmm. not everyone gets to do it mm-hmm. and i really admire him for that
1: yeah i mean we talk or i hear a lot about short attention spans right uh, mm-hmm. in Uh, in creating television is we have to consider the short attention spans of the audience but it feels like the opposite that like we're getting True Detective good or bad is an unfolding story over 12, 13 episodes. Last Man on Earth is the same thing. Even within the episode it's a slow burn uh, to a terrific payoff.
0: I wonder if that's partially the the culture of binge watching too that people Mm, are I would really like to know what the calculus is going on in executives heads or in big producers heads about whether shows are actually being designed anymore to be watched mm-hmm. solo with interruptions from commercials or if they're really designing them to be watched in mm-hmm. huge swaths over the course of a single night, you know? And obviously, if you're settling down to watch seven hours of television, you don't have a short attention. Right. Uh, and this is something you guys must contend with on Agent Carter. That's a serialized
1: show. Yeah. Um, probably more so than uh, like Shield or something. Um, yeah, the story do is you have to think about like how is this a satisfying episode and part of the season, and like there are a lot of a lot of things to consider there.
2: Well, I mean, I think one thing that has not changed in my uh, 30 years in television <laughs> um, is the uh, executives' constant underestimation of the audience. Mm-hmm. They are more afraid that the audience won't get it. Um, yeah. than anybody else. The audience, if they're into it, if you're giving them something of worth that, that they feel is worth their time, they'll get it. And they'll be on Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat or whatever the hell they're doing. Um, and, uh, and and they will pick up what you're putting down really nine times out of ten. So for us on, on Agent Carter, and this was also true um, in Sleepy Hollow that had a serialized story, Sleepy definitely had more of a chapter 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 kind of structure whereas with uh with agent carter it really is all part of a big story we try to make sure that every episode has uh a beginning middle and end in terms of some discrete mission or goal or um or arc for her or one of the other characters but you know when we sat down at the beginning of this season and last season but Uh, especially so this year we had uh, a map of the 10 episodes and that was all we really cared about was how do we break this big story into the most interesting chapters and it wasn't about how much does this chapter uh stand alone as an episode of this television program um you know in a vacuum Mm -hmm. it was this is chapter six in a novel, and if, you, if you're if you not in for the novel, see ya.
0: It's yeah. really weird. There's two competing... I can't quite figure yeah. it out, because even in, in journalism, you know, there's also the move the towards... The quizzes. Yeah, yeah. there's move yeah. towards yeah. listicles, for sure, and for clickbait, but then there's also websites like Longform mm-hmm. and... Obviously, a lot of podcasts, where it's actually about. I mean, you could argue that Serial, the most popular podcast there is, is one single story being sure. told for you know Absolutely. episodes and episodes. And I can't quite figure it out. It's like on one hand, yeah. you've got uh, people with fractured attention spans that want stuff super <laughs> fast, and then people that want to sit down and dig into things. And I don't know how you deal with that as somebody with controlling the purse strings, right. which you decide to throw your cash at. I don't he, know.
3: So here's another irony. So. More scripted TV than ever, 400 shows, Mm -hmm. people talking about it constantly. But here's, uh, see if you guys can jump in. You come in and you go, oh, my God, did you see Walking Dead last night? That blew my mind. And what does everyone say? Don't tell me. I haven't seen it yet. So. We're talking, but we're not talking Yeah, yeah. About, That's interesting. Um And people are talking very generally about shows, but not as specifically. <laughs> they're not as because we they're not to. allowed.
0: That is the they're that is the bane allowed. of somebody who's. That is my job <laughs> is to talk about these things. <laughs> I actually the other. <laughs> I was interview, there's this documentary about the, uh, Francois Truffaut interviewing yes. Hitchcock that just came out, oh, yeah, yeah. and I was interviewing oh, there's a
3: book on that. Too. Yes, yeah. it
0: was based. It's the a documentary oh, okay. about the making of the book kind of. And it's, it's is it recordings or is it people reading uh, it's reco- the it, they've got actual outtakes yeah. of the recordings it's of fantastic. Truffaut interviewing I Hitchcock can't wait to see that. it's really fascinating and i'm talking to the director and we're talking about people in the film talking about psycho and i actually said spoiler alert she gets killed <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's crazy. That's I should not have to say spoiler. Well, you alert. said that
3: as a
2: joke, right? I, I,
0: kind of. <laughs> yes and
2: no. They're Let me tell. I may enough. have
0: told the story on the
1: podcast before, and I will tell this very quickly. But uh, my wife is not in the industry. She is not a movie person. You know, she watches TV like regular people do. Um, a few years ago, we watched Psycho, and she had never seen it. Oh yeah. Uh, and I was like. She's part of society. She knows what Psycho is. But we're watching the movie, and towards the end, she, you know, uh, uh, someone is about to get killed, and she goes, Oh, thank God, Norman Bates is going to come save him.
3: (laughs)
2: Oh
1: Oh, my God. And I stopped the movie and went... What did you say? <laughs> do you live on the same Do you re- planet? I said, you really don't know what happens in this movie, do you? <laughs> That's, That's awesome. Though. That it's, is. it's amazing. But right? that is
0: only possible in a world where we don't give away spoiler <laughs> That's Even right. for films that are like half a century old. I don't know if this is a good thing. Like we should be able like there should be a canon where we can all like we should know King Lear, right?
1: <laughs> Can't we talk about King Lear? Some people are gonna be surprised. All right. Fuck general. Nell, do you have to leave us (laughs) out? I do
3: have to leave.
1: (laughs) Thank you for being here. Oh Mel, don't go. I'm sorry it was so short. And
3: is it bad so I here's my confession. I actually I I didn't get on the breaking bad bandwagon (laughs) early. And then there were so many and I couldn't just find the time. But I am hoping I get cancer someday.
0: Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Jesus, oh, oh, man. And
3: while I'm recuperating from chemo, <laughs> I will watch... There's wood right in front oh, of you. Knock on it. dad. You are So that will be the silver lining. No, that's like the one thing... I'll get out of it. This is the society
0: we <laughs> oh live in, where you God. have to hope that you get cancer so that you Take have time to catch watch. up with content.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: thank you for right. being here.
3: My pleasure. Bye. Nice <laughs>
0: Don't you, get cancer soon, now. please, Mel. I'm knocking on wood for her.
1: Okay. <laughs> 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 Let's talk uh, briefly about uh, what else. What else you really like? Oh, I wanted I, to go back actually and talk about. Um, I can't remember why this would have come up, but one of uh, a good film that I saw recently. Uh, is the big short. Ah, I have uh, seen Adam that. McKay's movie about the uh, housing lending crisis. With Ryan Gosling. Who's great. He's a I don't know who that guy is, but he's terrific. <laughs> Check him out, you guys. He's got uh, a career ahead. Of I'm him. not really a movie, like, I don't see a lot of movies because most of them disappoint me. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, d- I honestly didn't really know who
2: Ryan Gosling was. What? Um, he's but he sp- was great. he's surprisingly good for, you know, he's,
0: Pigeon Norman Bates saves him at the end.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he's pigeonholed as a pretty boy mm-hmm. so much, and he, you know he's the guy from the Notebook. Yeah. he's a fantastic actor. Oh, he yeah.
0: really is.
1: Uh, he's worth. It's worth seeing this movie for him alone. For but sure. everyone in the cast is great. Place uh, beyond. Brad Pitt is, is terrific. Um, but oh, and this was going off of what you were saying earlier, Jose, about uh, the networks not trusting the audience. What I loved about The Big Short is it never stops to explain itself. Uh, and it is dealing with difficult concepts. Um, like, I certainly was lost. I'm pretty stupid. And so it was a hard movie for me. But that made it an enjoyable movie for me. Mm. That I, It didn't hold my hand. Um, have we seen that in TV at all?
0: Oh, that's a good question. I feel like there was something, though, that I was just watching... That was kind of fascinating in that way. I'm sorry, somebody else talked. Well, I mean, I think, think
1: Fargo movies. does a good job of that, that the, the hand-holding or the catching up is so deft that you don't notice it. Like, that's the trick, right? That's the writing trick, right. is you want your exposition to not feel like exposition. Sure. I mean,
2: this isn't new, although there is a uh, an addendum uh, to this show, But Battlestar, I felt Mm -hmm. like, did not give a shit if you were caught up or not. That's a great example. The first episode after the the two movies was an episode called 33, which Mm -hmm. is to date one of my favorite episodes of TV Absolutely,
1: I think writers should watch that episode and learn everything
2: from it. Everything. And it was an episode that basically said, we don't care if you're lost. Uh, Just hang on, strap on, uh, buckle up. We're here. We go, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, so. But it's interesting too that
1: never at the expense of character, right? uh, Hmm. Never at the expense of of like showing you this world. Right, right. Even though it's sort of a contained
2: episode, it it is a contained episode, but it also doesn't expect you to know what Draedus contact means. I Still don't know. Still don't know. Right, but you know <laughs> that it's very important to them because I they you say just had it. A stroke <laughs> <laughs> because they say it in a very important way. So when you hear right. Draedus contact, it's oh no, something bad's happening. Yeah. Um, and so that was the the last um, hmm. um, regime of sci-fi. There's a new regime at sci-fi right now. Um, that is really trying to to go back to the yeah. halcyon days of Battlestar and what they launched this year which I thought was pretty amazing was 12 Monkeys mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is a show that again kind of doesn't give a shit if you're lost uh, and I got lost a lot <laughs> Um and I you know I'm friends with the creators and I'll go like what the fuck are you talking about what happened you cheated They're like no it'll be explained in six episodes I'm like God oh, that's you bastards
0: there is something about the I mean in any artwork there's and I've been trying to figure out what the the sort of secret sauce is but there is leaving stuff unexplained is almost what makes it art and makes it feel like you're part of something big mm-hmm. and sometimes I feel like it can be almost a, a crutch in a weird way, but a, a, but a great example of it is uh, going, God, I'm just going back to old things. So <laughs> Psycho, and but this is uh, Pulp Fiction. Yep. They never tell you what the hell is in that briefcase. Yeah. And the fact that they don't tell you makes it feel like you're being respected <laughs> somehow.
1: Yeah, well, I think, I mean, there's there's the holding back for the sake of holding back, and there's holding back... And still being satisfying, yeah, sure, right. And I think Twelve Monkeys held back and was still satisfying. They didn't explain everything.
2: There's the holding back. There's the holding back because we don't know what we're doing. Yeah, there's the lost model. Yeah, (laughs) versus the holding back because just wait till you find out. Or in the Pulp Fiction model, because this thing doesn't matter. It's just a MacGuffin. Yeah.
1: Um, But um, which I feel like you know shows like uh, Better Call Saul or Fargo. Better Trust well, their Saul audience.
2: was, uh, speaking of best of 2015, oh God. that was a show that I watched it expecting it to be Breaking Bad. Sure. And for the first few episodes, I was disappointed. This is not Breaking oh, Bad. This is, uh, where, he's not even Saul. <laughs> Jimmy, what really the, when does he become Saul? I want him to pull open his shirt and be yeah. Saul Goodman.
0: <laughs> this is not the Star Wars prequels where it's like <laughs> right. all about waiting for that moment it's fascinating (laughs)
2: but it was really a story it was an origin story for that character done in a really interesting way because without giving away spoilers if you haven't seen it the, the the places that the story goes with jimmy and his brother played by michael mckeon uh it's brutal and surprising and moving uh and for my money that was that's definitely in my top
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, li- uh, TV shows for this year. While, while we're talking about Bob Odenkirk, by the way, I haven't seen this, but I'm hoping you guys have the uh, Bob and Dave reboot mm-hmm. that just appeared on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that yet. I no, okay. it. Okay. It, okay. It, I'm glad it's I brought it up then.
1: I mean, um, that's an, Mr. Show is an important show to yes. a lot of comedy people. hugely important to me as a human and a former comedy writer. Uh, for sure. come, come back and tell us what you think of the I will. new show. I'd I mean, love to. It's, it's Mr. Show. I mean, it's still, it's Bob and David. And it's interesting, you know, that Bob has now had 15 years as an actor. Yes. Uh, never mind as a director and writer, which he was always brilliant at. But mm. as an actor, he's grown immensely. Hugely. Uh, and it's it's interesting to see that in the sketches now, how he applies that to sketch. I would also like to see he... <laughs>
0: I'm being a terrible name dropper, but like mm-hmm. in, in speaking to him about the, uh, the birthday boys, which mm-hmm. was the series that he appeared in, it was another sketch yes. troupe and he appeared in it and I think executive produced yeah. it. He, uh, he was telling me about why, how they were different than, and I was asking him like why he felt a kinship to these guys enough to executive mm-hmm. produce it. And he never quite explained that, but he did talk about how they were different, which was that. This goes back to something we were talking about earlier. They were upbeat. Mm-hmm. They had a genuine generally upbeat view of the world. They just had a lot of their sketches were about being kind of anarchically fun. And he hmm. said that Bob and Dave was completely motivated by the fact that they had lousy fathers. <laughs> he was like, it was completely motivated by rage. That's right. Those, yeah. those the sketches. I and, and I think it's different now. I'm wondering if it's different now.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. Knowing that watching uh, with Bob and David. Yes. That's very interesting. Uh, I do want to talk about this optimism, uh, because it occurs to me, and this is uh, right up your alley, I would say. um, I'm an optimist. (laughs) (laughs) Well.
2: I write an optimistic show, I guess. You write an
1: optimistic show, and sort of the bigger picture is, it's what we see in the biggest films of the year, the Marvel films versus the DC films that we've seen or are coming. Mm -hmm. Is, you know, Marvel is pretty and fun, and even when it's
0: dark, there's hope. Yes. Right. Can, can I make a comment on this? This is something that I think right. really... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is kind of my big... Ba- this has actually been developing over several years. I remember, I remember going way back to the Tim Burton Batmans, Having read The Dark Knight Returns, mm-hmm. and everybody wanting the Tim Burton Batmans, or at least I and my niche crowd wanting <laughs> the bat- Bur- Batmans are Batman, 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 the bats, Batman. the bats, <laughs> the, bats <laughs> the Messers' bat. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, we wanted them to be the Dark Knight, and when we heard that Jack Nicholson had been cast as a Joker, we were like, oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. And it turned out it wasn't quite. Mm-hmm. Right. And then The Batman Begins comes out, and it was like, at last, we got it. And then it was a hit. And now I feel like there's a tendency for all superhero movies to be doing that, and I don't want all superhero, well, superhero movies to do that. Well, that's definitely the DC
2: uh, model, of, for sure. Of
0: but movies. Superman, but that doesn't make sense. Like Batman was always a dark character, oh, right? Except for that brief period in the 70s and 80s. But like <laughs> the, but Superman. I mean, the point of him was that he was this positive symbol of awesomeness and like moral rectitude and suddenly he's killing guys and he's having these dark moments of like trying to decide what is all this kind of stuff that's not what superman is to me and i just feel like it's been going more and more in that direction and i see it seeping into everything my biggest worry i can get back to you on tuesday after i see a press screening Mm -hmm. of star wars is that i see all these previews for it and there's no humor in them this star wars was a fun
2: Movie. Yeah, but remember the previous for the old Star Wars. It, it was it wasn't about three P going we're doomed. You know, yeah, it, right. it was all about the cool and the flash and the lightsaber. But I don't
0: even the- see like swashbuckling going on. I see a lot of people going, "Oh, I predict a terrible storm is coming." Like dialogue on that level, it's all about kind of dark philosophy. I hope I, I, I trust that J.J. Abrams will have a sense of humor. He usually does, but it's a worry that I have that that's where we're going. In telling these kind of mythological stories, they all have to.
1: That's be That's an interesting thing considering, um, you know, Superman and the the DC movies have that, but the DC TV shows do not. This I mean, is Supergirl is the lightest comedy on TV. Yeah, that's true. Um, Arrow has that Flash, Arrow has that darkness, uh, but Flash certainly doesn't. It no. feels like Flash is the model for the other ones. Right. For Supergirl, for Legends of Tomorrow, um, where there's there's weight. But
0: there's still a sense of fun, mm-hmm. you Good. know. Well, thank you for setting my mind at ease. Um, That's what you're here Star
1: for. Star Wars is go. I, well, and I was actually going to bring this up. Um, this will come out the week after Star Wars premieres. So, are we going to a screening right now? <laughs> How did you guys like the movie? <laughs>
2: I I thought it was fantastic I thought that I haven't seen uh, it yet. spoiler alert <laughs> that scene with uh, Kylo Ren and Han Solo holy fuck who saw that coming
0: amazing I don't,
2: I don't know <clears anything. throat>
0: and I didn't know Lando Calrissian was going to be so central to the plot
2: and wow is he hung Yes. <laughs> well, I think point. that's a good place ed good ed place point. to end <laughs> Thank you
1: guys for being here.
2: Wait, let's go over,
1: <coughs> uh, like,
0: let, do we want to do a listicle? Do we want to? Yes, we did, I, have, but- I have one thing I wanted to bring, one, one favorite show of the year I wanted Okay, to bring. Uh, this is it, you guys. Oh, okay.
1: Uh, what have you loved this year? What uh, what are you watching with your friends? What are you excited about, uh, talking to your friends about? Um, and is there anything for 2016 that you are looking forward to, uh,
0: whether it's a new show or, or something um, um, that you are looking forward to coming back, uh, I cannot comment to the latter, <laughs> but to the former, I wanted to mention unreal yes, the uh bizarrely, never <laughs> thought I'd be saying this in my lifetime lifetime show, yeah, uh about a fictional reality t v show based on The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. And it is a kind of behind the scenes there following one of the producers whose job it is basically to get the bachelorette candidates to say and do horrible things in the service of reality television. It is an incredible satire. I will say that after about the third or fourth episode of it, I had no hope for humanity anymore. It is co-produced, co-created by uh, one of the women who Sarah co-created Gertrude it. Shapiro. Yes, she uh, actually worked in reality mm-hmm. TV, so she knows whereof she speaks. Even though she won't entirely admit that everything that happens on that show probably <laughs> yeah. happened in reality. You get the feeling that it did, and uh, so I, I highly recommend that. Yes. And, it, and it was the last place on earth I ever expected to get interested in a yeah. TV show.
1: Yeah, uh, we talked about it a couple times uh, on the show. We've talked to Sarah and to Marty Noxon, who's mm-hmm. co who co-created the show, uh, a couple times over the year, because I loved the show, too. Um, and it, I think we talked about it as, like... Scandal or Dynasty for smart people. Yes, <laughs> like yes. it
0: has those soap elements. It's really soapy. They do not. There is a lifetimey vibe to some of what's going on yeah, there. It's but. interesting,
1: uh, and I would also say it is probably the darkest show on TV. Yeah. Until I watched Flesh and Bone, <laughs> the stars <laughs> ballet series from Moira Wally Beckett, who is a Breaking and bad writer. It's uh, that which is so fucking dark. That's what I'm <laughs> but saying. But
2: really enjoyable. All right, uh, I'll say. Um, I made a little list as we were. At a listicle. Burbank, a listicle. Um, Man. Uh, the, um, I should have made a listicle. The, the show that I can't find anybody to talk to. Nobody seems to be watching this, but it's one of my favorite shows on TV. Is Vikings. Oh yeah, nobody watches. Nobody watches <laughs> it. I don't watch that. Um, what? Why? Not sell important. It to no, us.
0: let's move on. It's not important.
2: I <laughs> uh, sell it to you. I don't know how to sell it to you other than. Uh, fucking Vikings! What more <laughs> do you need? They I are need Vikings. Some story and character. Um, I don't. Is, I'm in. <laughs> it's a it's a pretty accurate historical account about when the Vikings raided and took over uh, a lot of England. Um, and basically created our culture. How's that, motherfucker?
0: That's good. Wow. All right, I'm that's why it. we all have swords now.
2: Uh, um, is it like three seasons in already? It's I think it's
1: three. Is it four? I think it's three. I think okay. that's right. But but yeah, some some seasons. But right, um, I'll check it out. Th-
2: and this last season, uh, they really threw some curveballs at us that um, um, the the show had heretofore been relatively safe. Like you didn't have that uh walking dead vibe mm-hmm. where who's gonna live and who's gonna die. It was it wasn't really shaking up your your heart the way that other shows do. And this season they kinda went like, Oh, you thought you were safe. Ha ha. <laughs> Stupid <laughs> you. Um It's a very violent. Is it very violent?
1: Um you Kinda know, I watch you. I watch the ballet show and the reality TV show, so yeah. I don't know if I can watch That's Vikings. emotionally
0: violent. That's like the Vikings of oh, ballet. Oh,
2: also both are
0: violent. It's kind Those are of... dark shows.
2: It's dark, but it's also kind of a rollicking good time. There's a right. lot of sex. There's a lot of fighting. Oh, I'm in. Of, I'm in. Yeah. I'm like, in. There's a lot of guys punching
0: each other in the face just because they don't like each other's faces. Sure. <laughs> I have a feeling that the reason why maybe it hasn't, Maybe it hasn't spread like wildfires. That it feels as you're talking to me about it, like Game of Thrones. You know, it's uh, yeah. And maybe people
1: think they have their ideal version of that one. Maybe Vikings is better.
0: Is it? I
2: better? think well. We shouldn't get into this, should we? Um, Here we go. No, we don't have to get into it. <laughs> we, we Listen, do. Game of Thrones is never going to hire. Yeah, you. Yeah, I was just gonna say hire you. Don't have a you? They're never going to hire me. No, I, I, they'll never hire me either. They'll never hire anybody. Uh, but, <laughs> so diss
0: it right. But
2: now. no, I think it's the best show on TV, and Blacker hates it because he's got no taste. I don't hate it. I
1: watched. I I don't. I don't like things with wizards and elves and shit. What? Yeah.
0: Name but me you, a wizard. I would wizarding. not peg you as a guy. Name who as wait, wait, wait! And wait elves stop. Tree. What? Find
2: me a wizard or an elf in fucking Game of Thrones. Gandalf.
0: <laughs> okay,
2: so the other <laughs> item on my list, uh, the other shows that I want to talk about because
1: Black—I was guy. super into it for two seasons, though. I will say that. Okay. I got invested, and then last season I
2: quit it again. All right. Go um, ahead. What What else do you like? I'm just not listening to you. What else do you like? We're (laughs) just having fun. It's the year in review. Mr. Robot was awesome.
1: Robot Wizards.
2: Don't give away father things on
1: Mr. Robot. Everybody's seen it by now, and also we gave it away on the last episode. <laughs> uh, it was good. I really win, enjoyed man. it.
2: It, was, it has n- few misters and no robots, so the name is a complete yeah, misnomer.
1: Uh, I didn't mention this uh, when we last talked about Mr. Robot, but a show I really enjoyed this year, which I didn't expect it, was the show Humans. Mm-hmm. Which is about robots. Which is about robots. <laughs> Not since Burn Notice and uh, Rescue me, should two shows have had their title switched?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I've, I've heard that. I haven't seen Humans yet. I think that's. Humans that, is really good. I think you like is it. Is that sci fi? Uh, so, I forget who put it out. It was like a BBC co production. Oh, it might okay. have been BBC America.
0: I don't remember. I mean, but I it was really on the BBC. Well um, By the way, are we going to mention Downton Abbey at all? No. I watched it. Yeah. It's, it's still there.
1: It's still there. Yeah, it's um, enjoyable.
0: I don't even remember what the season
1: was about, but it's great.
0: It's about British people. Oh, you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Doing kind so of I'm British.
1: always on board yeah. they're not. They're only some of them are wizards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Deep down inside, all British people are wizards. Oh,
1: this is suddenly the podcast really got going. You know, you we really got, got something to day. talk about. It's just the way they talk. <laughs> what did you like about Mr. Robot? Uh,
2: I was. I was actually talking to Javi about this recently. Um, um, you the name drop? <laughs> Uh, maybe I was talking to somebody else, actually. I, I could be completely wrong. As you know, I'm slightly it's schizophrenic. It's who you were talking to. <laughs> um, but um, I... Oh, no, I was talking to somebody oh my else. God. Anyway, uh, all that can get cut out. Nope. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I, a lot of the times when I watch TV shows, I'm not trying... Or movies, even. I'm not trying to guess... The answer. If mm-hmm. it's a mystery, I'm not trying to solve it. Just along for the ride. And Mister Robot surprised me. Um, there were a lot of turns that I didn't see coming. As fight clubby as it got, and it got very fight clubby. I would say it got 100 percent fight clubby. <laughs> I mean, they even used the music from Fight Club. That's right. Is that uh, right? Yeah. No. And they acknowledged it. Like, the, if you, the, oh, I right. saw an interview with Sam Ismail on the internet, um, and he's like, "Yeah, we knew we were going fight clubby, so we used the song." Yeah. Good for him. Hey, at least hey, Own if it. you're gonna steal, at least lean into the fact
0: that yes. you're doing it. Hang a lantern on
2: it. Um, and um, but I thought it made a, a lot of really interesting, valid points in a way that was much more straightforward than Fight Club. Mm-hmm. Fight Club gets so trippy in the third act that it's you right. The the point about uh, consumerism and how corporations basically manipulate all of human existence gets lost in Fight Club, and I thought what Mr. Robot did so well was when they have their big reveal, then they really turn on to, hmm. fo- they focus on the big capital A about of what the show is. Yeah. Uh,
1: it is nice, and, and I feel like we got this more this year than maybe in the past few years to have so many shows about something, shows that have something to say. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, even mom is a good example. Absolutely. Like it's clearly a personal story being told in, in this multicam format. Yeah. Do we I know by the way, where sad. that came
0: from? That's uh, that show. I mean, did it come from somebody's personal experience? That's Chuck Laurie. I know. I know. But is that, which is surprising oh, to me, frankly. I don't know. All right. Uh, it's none of my I,
2: I have, <laughs> I have, an uh, inkling about this that I'll share off mic. Okay. okay. I uh, can't wait. Yes uh, Keep it rolling (laughs) (laughs) The last show that I want to mention Talking about Speaking of uh, Capital A about uh, Another show that Nobody talks about anymore Because it's not In vogue anymore Is South Park
0: which is oh, still
2: as fucking good as it's ever been.
0: And actually it brings up something in this season that is of major concern to myself and a lot of journalists, which is a kind of PC police. Mm-hmm. That's something that they've really been rolling on. And I really think, like, if you want to talk about predictions for 2016, I think this is going to be the thing that people are talking about the most is how do we talk about really important issues without worrying that you're going to get pilloried mm-hmm. for being insensitive, racist, sexist, Thank you for being here. Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you.
1: Aww. I wish you a Merry Christmas. And a happy or Hanukkah. Or happy
2: holidays. Let's not get pilloried by it. Well, you. we're past Hanukkah.
1: Festivus. That
2: well,
0: Solstice. that's
1: it. Thank you for being here. <laughs> a wizard just came and granted my wish.
0: <laughs> he's and British. You hate wizards. He's yep. a butler, but he's a wizard
1: a uh, dinner party download. Everybody should check it out. Please do. Agent Carter, what's your premiere date?
2: Uh, I believe they just moved us to the 12th? Check they your moved local it because listings. of
1: a... Uh, State of the Union. Yes, that's what it was. Oh. Okay. I think it's the 19th. That. 19th?
2: Check your local listings. Check your local listings. Google it. It's yeah. going to be a very fun season. You'll get to meet Mrs. Jarvis. Ooh. You'll get to see Peggy maybe kiss a couple of people. <laughs> Um, and, so that's uh, the only reason I'm tuning in It's it's <laughs> no, no. it's going to be a great year It's going to be very A lot of the darkness of season one Is uh, behind us And it's going to be a lot of fun
0: Cool Also we are doing a live show January 28th With Jason Schwartzman as a guest And Father John Misty is our musical guest Who is one of the great indie rockers alive In my opinion And other guests, TBA cool. And you should go And it's at the fabulous... Uh, I always get this name wrong because it's not grammatically correct. Theater at Ace Hotel.
1: Yes, in here down, in Los
0: Angeles. In downtown LA. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I'll be there. Sounds great. Thanks. The end.
3: Now leaving Nerdist.com.